Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Good morning. My name is Pastor Aaron, West Hill Baptist Church pastor here. It's a privilege to be here and to be your pastor. We're trying a little bit different microphone, so if things are a little bit different this morning, um, that's why. So it's not because I have a cold or um, anything like that. Uh, I still sound as I sound. So we'll get, we'll, we'll work through that. Glad to see you this morning. Privileged to worship with you. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers. Thank you for choosing to join with us. I, I find it interesting year after year of what it kind of looks like as we walk through Father's Day and Mother's Day. Usually Mother's Day is really well attended and Father's Day is not well attended. And I, can, I, I think it speaks to kind of our culture and where our culture is, and we want to honor our mothers, uh, but we also want to honor our fathers, and it also shows, in some ways, a lack of leadership, and uh, I'm not scolding anybody, I'm just speaking observation, um, where it's easier to sleep in, or to go golfing, or to do something fun uh, with your father, uh, but you know your mother, she's going to be in church, right? And you better go to church, and you better go be with her. And so uh, for those of you who are fathers who are, who are here, who made that priority, I commend you. Uh, I, I am thankful that we have men who love the Lord and who set this as a priority um, to please him and to search and seek after his heart. Um, a couple, few uh, quick announcements I just want to uh, make you aware of is before I jump into the book of James, you can open there if you want as I'm speaking. James chapter 5, we're going to finish our study uh, through uh, this book today, and then we're going to be walking through um, the book of Jonah in July and August. So if you want to get a head start there, you can start reading through the book of Jonah in these next few weeks as we get ready and prepare for that. Uh, but today we'll finish our study through James. Um, I had the privilege of talking with Bill Barclay on Tuesday. Bill called me and uh, shared with me that Anne uh, has, uh, her health has deteriorated a little bit. This is an older couple that uh, fellowshiped with us for quite some time. Um, they're Scottish and uh, Bill says that he's a stubborn old Scotsman, and so uh, I had the privilege of going down. I felt compelled to fly down to North Carolina, and uh, they are uh, on Fort Bragg, uh, at Fort Bragg there with uh, their daughter and son-in-law and with their family, and so I had the privilege of being able to spend Friday with Bill and to walk through some things with him that he needed to care for, uh, that he had kind of been um, putting to the side, but I had the privilege of just uh, enjoying his two favorite restaurants, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, and uh, we had a great time together. Bill sends his love, uh, his greetings to each of you. Um, I, there's a picture there of just being able to spend some time there um, talking with Anne and to pray with her uh, as her Alzheimer's is progressing. Uh, it's becoming harder for her to communicate and to, uh, to also just swallow and to eat uh, is, is a chore now. And so pray for, pray for Bill, pray for uh, their daughter Aileen and husband Ivan. And as they walk through these days, that God would uh, give them strength and give, uh, give Anne comfort and peace. And uh, it was a real privilege to be able to minister 
uh, with them. We miss them. We love them. And so if you would, please continue to keep praying for them. Uh, they often um, still join us. Uh, they just look at the back of your heads and uh, they, they, they go on uh, through our website and live stream with us. And so um, Bill says that, you know, I can see who's there, you know, uh, uh, Paul and Sarah and Jane, Sue and Jim and Wanda and uh, others that they can see uh, with where the camera is set up right now. And so it's neat. They still stay connected with us. Um, also, this last week on Wednesday, it was a big day for, for Jen and Morgan Allison. And uh, it was a good day for, for Jen. We, she had her doctrinal interview uh, with ABWE. Um, and so her missions agency, so I had the privilege of sitting with Jen and uh, walking through that couple hour long, uh, two and a half hour long ended up being um, interview, uh, just talking about doctrine and all the things that Jen believes and, and she aced it. She did great and uh, passed. And so, so she'll go in July. Um, it's, it's in your prayer bulletin, um, so that information's there. But she'll go in July to uh, the new uh, missionary training, uh, and then we'll be, um, uh, have a service there in Baltimore um, that, Jet, that Lisa and I will join Jen out there uh, for that, and she'll officially uh, become uh, um, moving in that full-time missionary direction. So keep praying for Jen and Morgan, for God's leading in their life, and for his provision there. Um, had several campers at camp this week at Skyview, uh, Skyview Ranch. Continue to keep praying for them as they've heard the word, as others go this week, and uh, that God will continue to use that. Uh, thankful for Pastor David that he was willing to give a week of his time to go and to preach the word. I know that there were several salvations uh, which uh, which is just awesome. So we praise the Lord for that. Around seven or eight salvations for, for I think, the junior age, nine, 10, 11. Do I hear 12? Um, the, the great thing is God is still alive, and the gospel message applies for all. And so camp is one of those great opportunities for kids to be immersed with other children and to be able to be taught and shown uh, the gospel message. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. So keep praying for that impact. And uh, as you saw in the beginning, and Andrew talked a little bit about it, uh, there's a group of eight of us who will head to Canada uh, on Saturday. Saturday morning, we'll leave here early, about 6, 6.30, and uh, get on the road and head up to the Algonquin Provincial Park. And we'll spend a week up there uh, Saturday through Friday, living um, with everything that we need for a week on our shoulders and in our canoes. And uh, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm really not looking forward to it um, because I am getting older. And I remember the last time, you didn't have to laugh so, so loud, Lori. <laughs> you feel the same way. We're just getting older. So to sleep on the ground is a little bit different. Um, I do it not because I love sleeping in the ground or carrying a canoe on my shoulders and feeling that pain and that weight. I do it because it's a great time to meet with the Lord. And it's a great time to get away from all the other distractions. And some people say, well, I can do that at the beach. No, there's still too many people, all right? We go where there are no people, all right? There are moose and there are bear, and there are very few people that we come in contact with. And we are looking forward as we dig through the word 
Um, so pray for us that God will keep us safe, but beyond that, that God would do a great work uh, in our hearts and in our lives. So excited for that. I want to also encourage you one more time. We put together this really cool um, information packet, and you get to receive it every week. And yet, uh, we feel like sometimes um, in com- conversation with some of you that uh, you don't know what's happening or opportunities, and we want to encourage you to read through that um, that great information that Georgia works so hard every single week to give you. This is called a bulletin, and inside of this bulletin has a lot of wonderful and important information. And so let me encourage you, please take time to read through it, all right? It's not just reading. You say, well, I can't do any of that, or I'm so busy, I can't. Pray. Pray for the things that God is doing. We're seeing God work in lives, and it's really, really exciting. And so when God is working, we know that Satan will try to diffuse that, and he wants to tear that down. And so we, we just encourage you to pray. There's also the prayer bulletin, and we, there's several new items in there this week. Um, together as a body, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute here in the book of James, uh, we, need, we need one another, and we need to help one another. And so please uh, read through your bulletin. Uh, read through that, and if you want it electronically, uh, you can sign up for that in the little tab, and you can put that in the offering plate and uh, which we'll talk a little bit at the end of the service here uh, so that you can get electronically every Friday. Um, Georgia sends that out and you can get that and you receive that in the prayer bulletin, the missionary letters as well. So that's my plug, all right? My encouragement as your shepherd, your pastor, your friend, read, read your bulletin, please. Good, good information there, all right? Um, would you pray with me as we get ready to dig into James? Lord, we come as um, humble people. We, we, we understand and realize who we are, that we are the creation, and that you are the creator. Lord, we're not, we're not higher, we're not mightier, we don't even stand in the same level of you. You are great and mighty and powerful. You're all-knowing. Lord, you are the creator of the universe. Time does not limit you. Your word tells us that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, Lord, this morning, I want to ask, Lord, I want to plead, and I'm begging you, Lord, would you... Come and work in our hearts this morning. We need you. We need you every hour. And so, Lord, we come as people desperate. We come as people sometimes not realizing how desperate we really are. And yet, Lord, humble us. Remove our pride, our arrogance our conceitedness, our selfishness, our sin, so that we can see you, so that we can hear from you this morning, to hear from your word, from your spirit that indwells in your children. Lord, may we be sensitive 
to what you have to tell us this morning. And then may we respond appropriately, Lord. May we respond in such a way that we leave here changed people because we've met with the God of the universe. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the dads that are here, the fathers, the men who continue to lead here at this church and in their families. And Lord, may your hand of blessing continue to be upon them and protect them and provide for them. Bless them, Lord, and help us walk with you. So we pray all of this in the precious name of our great Savior, the one who is the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. So today we come to the conclusion of James, uh, the end of his letter. We'll look at verses 13 through 20. Let's read that together, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to give an overall ending to this letter and to this book that we have. And so let's follow. If you have your Bibles, follow along there with me. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. It'll also be up on your screen. Um, but if you have the word there on your phone or uh, in written form, um, in print, would you get it there? Follow along. Verse 13, James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings, him, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen? As we look at this, um, James is finishing up, and, and he's concluding with a couple questions. As he's talking to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, these are fellow uh, brothers and sisters who have trusted Christ, who are now scattered, no longer worshiping and fellowshipping in Jerusalem. They're scattered abroad in the land. And so James is writing to them to encourage them. And so as he's doing that, the end of his letter, he says, is there anybody among you who are suffering? Well, of course they're suffering. That's what he's been talking about this whole letter. And so he responds, let him pray. If you're suffering, respond in prayer. If anyone is cheerful, Hey, if you see God working and things are going well, how do you respond? Give praise. And so there's a direction here that James is very clearly saying, I want your focus not to be upon yourselves or your circumstances. If you're suffering, don't focus on you. Pray. Look to the one who can help. If things are going well and life is merry, cheerful, things are good, praise. Look to to the one above. 
And then he says this, if any, is anyone among you sick? Now, this is kind of a rhetorical question in a way because evidently there are, there are people who are sick. There will always be people who are sick in our midst as brothers and sisters in the family, the family of God. So there's some who are struggling. Some are sick. And then he gives this direction. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I believe that we need to take that section together. I think there are some who will split this out. And whenever you take scripture and you take it out of the context that it was written in, it may have a different meaning, and we don't want that different meaning. We want to see what the original writer intended this meaning to be and then to apply it to our lives. How did it apply to them? How does that apply to our life? James is writing and saying, who is sick? Now, there are some who are sick. That term can be used not only physically but also spiritually. All right. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and he's talking about taking communion, Together, there were some who were sick and even some who had fallen asleep. Why? Because they had sin in their life. Because they were not walking with Jesus. And context-wise, this tells us that maybe there are some who are sick because there's sin in their life. And when you're confessing your sin to one another, you're bringing it public. You're bringing it out in the open. All right, and so there's a sense here as you call, if you're sick, and maybe you, maybe you don't even see your sin, maybe you don't even realize, or maybe you're trying to hide it, I think James is encouraging them, call on the elders, call on the leadership of the church. That's what they're there for, to help you, to encourage you. Let them pray over you. And then he talks about oil. I'm not going to go deep into this. I think there's a new fascination today in our Western culture with oil. It's not all bad, but I don't think it's all good. It's not all good because it directs people away from God. They're putting their hope in these oils. Again, it's not all bad. God made us complex. We're complex beings, and sometimes certain aromas, certain things help us, whether it's the nutrients that we eat or the things that we breathe. There's different, because of the complexity of our bodies, there's different things that are going to help us. But we must be careful. Let me caution you. If you believe that an oil is going to heal you, your hope is in the wrong thing. We have hope in one. We should have hope in one. The one who can deliver us is not made of something. He is much greater than that. He is the creator of all things. And he's created some things that will help us. But the oil here is not the subject. The subject is the person who answers the prayer of the person who is anointing with oil. When, when you see the anointing of oil, especially in the Old Testament, you see God's hand upon that person. All right? it, was a, it was a very real symbol that when somebody was anointed with oil, that that person, the presence and the, and, the, and the person of God was going to be using or has used them or will be using them. And so in, in a real way, it was a picture letting people know God was showing up. 
we see here the anointing of oil doesn't make the elder special. It doesn't make the person special. It makes the God who heals special. It allows him to say, there's nothing in this oil. And, and I've, I've been called to do this from time to time. And it's a great privilege. It's humbling to me. Somebody who's really been enduring and going through hardship and a real physical sickness. And to be able to go and to anoint them with oil, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't dump a whole bunch of oil over them. It, was, it wasn't, again, the oil that was going to heal them. But it was a, a, a very real symbol to say, God, we need you to show up. We're asking you to show up to, to heal this person. And so as James is writing this, um, there, there is a call for when we, as the body of believers, when we endure and have to work through sickness, there are times that we can call upon the leadership of the church to come and to help us work through that. Again, we live in a Western culture, a Western mindset, which is very individualistic. It's what I can do for me, myself, and I. My responsibility, what I have to do. But as James has been writing, and we're going to talk about this in a minute as we conclude, but James is saying it is not just about you. And in fact, as he's answering these questions, these three questions, it's never the focus about the individual. It's about the Lord. And it's about drawing and helping others to draw you in a closer walk with him. And so the prayer of the faith, he says in verse 15, will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And I love that phrase, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There is not one of us who sits here today who will ever be free from sin. We're free from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has us chained in. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased from that slave market of sin. We've been bought to a relationship with Jesus Christ, so we've been set free from sin. And as much as I'd love to say that I'm free from sin, I still have sin in my life. And yet, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. I remember getting a phone call early on in uh, the ministry here um, and uh, this gentleman, who I have no idea who he was, he called and uh, he asked uh, uh, some questions. And as we were talking, he talked about salvation. He's like, are, do you, are you a believer? And I said, yes. Yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, was buried, and that he rose again three days later. And he said, so you believe that, that Jesus set you free from sin? I said, yes, I, I do. He said, are you continuing to, to sin? And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, then you're not a truly a believer. And he quoted a couple of passages from Romans that are way out of context. And he, he started almost yelling and screaming at me. You cannot be a pastor if you're going to keep sinning. To accept Jesus as our Savior doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm going to be perfect and whole on this earth. And in fact, it's an admission to say, I am not good enough, and I never will be. As James is writing this letter, he makes that point that as we live life, our faith is shown through our works, but we will continue to struggle 
and to work through that and fail at times. The reason why I need a Savior is because I'm disobedient. Because I miss the perfect mark of God. And I'll never hit it by myself. But when I place my faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus hits the mark. Because he's perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. He's the one who died in my place and in your place. And so while I want to be set free from sin, and I am from the bondage, there are times that I still wrestle and struggle with my thoughts or through desiring, which I got to tell you, my wife's laughing because she knows. I wasn't going to talk about this, but so I flew down to North Carolina, rabbit trail here, flew down to North Carolina to see Bill and Ann. So I had to rent a vehicle to get from Raleigh uh, down to where they were near Fayetteville. So it was about an hour and a half trip. So I go online, and I'm looking for a rental vehicle. And lo and behold, do you know what the cheapest vehicle to rent was? This is how I knew it was from God. This, and a Ford F-150. Can you believe that? It wasn't my favorite color, but beggars can't be choosers. So... So I show up to the rental company, and they're like, oh, we see that you have a truck. I said, yeah. They're like, well, we have two. We have a Dodge Ram or an F-150. Which would you like? I'm like, <laughs> Sometimes we desire things that God does not want us to have. And are we, can we live in contentment? Sometimes I'm content. Sometimes I'm not. And when I'm not content in who God is, in his presence, in his work in my life, I fall short of that perfect mark. James is encouraging. He's encouraging the believers. He's saying, listen, it's okay to not have it all together. But when you're struggling and physically when you're sick, don't be afraid to call on others to call out to God for you and with you. And then he gives an example, because again, being um, Jewish people, that his Jewish audience, they would be well understanding of this example that he's going to share. He's sharing an example from 1 Kings 17 and 18. And so it talks about Elijah. And Elijah would have been a prophet that these Jewish people would have known. It was a part of their history, their heritage. They knew it. And so when James talks about Elijah and bringing up this story, he says, listen, I want to talk to you and remind you what a righteous man can do, what the prayers of a righteous man can do. And so he shares this example of, of, uh, of Elijah praying. And so as we read it here, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. It was a reminder to the people, Elijah is just like us. He loved God, but he had a sinful nature. He wasn't God. He was a man used by God. It says, and he prayed fervently that it may not rain. I think nowadays we're praying that it will stop raining. But we're thankful for the rain. The rain is a picture actually in the scripture of God's blessing. And and here he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on earth. Now imagine that you prayed a prayer and God answered it. 
Imagine praying, no rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain. We're like, wow, this guy really, and James is reminded, remember, he's got a nature just like ours, and he prayed that there would be no rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain. Verse 18 then concludes this story. It says, then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. There's a call for us as men and women that we would seek the heart of God, and as we seek the heart of God, that we would ask of God. I, I don't think it's wrong for us to ask. I think there are times where our selfishness, and we've talked about this before as we talked about prayer, there are times in our selfishness and our conceitedness that we want God to answer our prayers as we see fit. And that's why when we look at the Lord's Prayer, not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. We need to pray that. We need to believe that. But the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It has great power. Maybe you read that and today you sit here and you're struggling because you've been praying for somebody or something to happen for a long time and it hasn't happened yet. Let me encourage you to keep praying. Keep seeking after the Lord. We are so minute in our understanding of the big God that we serve. God has a plan and he's got a purpose. Where we wrestle and where we struggle, and we even talked about this in our class this morning with Job, is there are times where we think we need to see and understand how God is working. But as we pray... As a righteous person, not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus, but also walking in such a way that our faith is real, because we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk in faith that our works show our faith. Our works are not earning us a place in heaven. Our works show our faith. And so doing, as we do that, we can take great confidence and we can trust that God has a perfect plan. The prayer of a righteous person, prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous woman, has great power as it is working. You may not see it working, but God is using it. James finished and concludes this. My brothers, if any of you among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is a controversial verse, and we're not going to spend a lot of time. If we were in a classroom setting, I would dig in a little bit deeper. Here's the, here's the overall big picture. You have a brother or sister who's wandering away from their faith, and you love them, and you care for them, and you come alongside of them, and you care for them, and, and you help them as a guide, gently, carefully, not condemning, not condoning them, loving them, pulling them back. That's the picture here. You're, you're pulling them back with a gentleness, 
bring him back so that they may see the truth, that they may understand who God is. That person, that person has just done something great. I don't think this is a saving their soul from eternity in hell. I don't believe this is where uh, you can lose your salvation. I believe when we appear before God as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that we will give an account for how we live our lives as believers. What do our works show of our faith? My works don't save me, but honestly, I don't want to be in heaven with my works not showing that I really trusted Jesus. I want my life to be shown that I truly love Jesus Christ. And when you grab somebody and you come alongside of them and you love them and help guide them, pulling them back to the truth, You're doing something that affects eternity. Not their soul from being in heaven or hell, but their their eternity of their walk and their relationship with Jesus where their rewards, where they give an account, where now no longer will will they have all of these multitudes of sin, but they'll be here walking, giving an account, because someone loved them enough to help guide them and direct them. We're not free from sin. I think that James is, is, makes a picture of that at the end of this letter. We're not free from sin. We're not in a freedom sense of we're set from the bondage of sin. It no longer controls us. But we're not free just because we accept Jesus that we're not going to wrestle with it. We are. We're going to wrestle with sin and struggle with it. And in doing so, care for one another. And so as I wrap up here, really briefly, this, this letter, let me encourage you. I believe this letter is written to a group of believers, and he wants to encourage them as the family of God. As they go through hardships and struggles and difficulties, as they display their faith through their works, as they communicate and talk and listen He wants them to care for one another. He wants them to love one another. There's there's an overall theme, I believe, that runs through this letter about, uh, about a family. As he says, brothers and sisters, 20, 30 times in this letter, there's a thrust of family coming together when life can at times be its hardest. I, I want to encourage you this morning at West Hill. Uh, I, I think, I think you, you all do a good job of that. You care for one another. Are there ways that we need to improve on that? There are. We need to keep looking and asking God, Lord, show me the ways that I can share and I can, that I can care for other people to get outside of my own world and my own mindset of what I want to do. Help me to love those that you've placed in my life in the family of God especially. So how are you doing that? As God leads you and guides you in this week, would you ask God that? Lord, how can I minister to someone that's in our family? 
Someone that's in the family of God. I, I believe sometimes we're so focused on ourselves that we miss sight of the opportunity to come along someone and to minister to them and to pray with them and to love them and sometimes just to listen. So in your bulletin, there's a tear-off tab, and if you would, grab your bulletin and pull that out and tear that off as we ask you to do that. It's a way that is helpful to us as a staff as you communicate with us. If you're visiting with us, uh, please just jot down your name. We'd love to pray for you. We're thankful that you're here today. And on the back, it says, my next step today is to, maybe it's to memorize the verse of the month, uh, James uh, 5.11. It says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And so maybe it's that verse. Maybe it's committing to seek the Lord so that he may show me how to help meet the physical and the spiritual needs of my spiritual family. And maybe as you sit here this morning, you just want to fill in that next one that says, after meeting together as God's church today, I am, and then you fill in the blank. I'm encouraged. I'm convicted. I'm saddened. I'm strengthened. And then there's a place there to write a comment, a prayer request, a suggestion. We value that, and we're thankful for your, for your willingness to share that with us. It helps us to know how better to pray for you and with you. And uh, in our day and age of technology, where we feel like we can communicate really well, I think sometimes we struggle in truly communicating what's going on in our life. And so that helps me, it helps our staff to be able to know where you're at and how we can best pray for you. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for loving us unconditionally uh, through your son, Jesus. Thank you that you've made a way um, that we can have a way to you um, to, to have and experience uh, eternal life. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning, if there's someone sitting here who has never trusted Jesus um, to be their Savior, to ask for the forgiveness of their sin, realizing that we've all missed the mark of perfection, I pray, Lord, that right now, right where they sit, that they would confess that they're a sinner. We all are. We've all been disobedient. We've all missed the mark. That they would confess to you that. And that they would ask for your forgiveness. And that they would claim Jesus as their Savior. The way, the truth, and the life. The way to you, Lord. The only way. Lord, we are privileged people. And we live in a country that has great blessing and great privilege. But Lord, we are also, um, we don't want to be naive into thinking that, that because we have these great privileges, there are not struggles or hardships. Lord, so I pray for strength for us as a church here at West Hill, for those who are visiting, that you would grant us your favor, that you would help us to walk with you in such a way that would display your glory and your light 
to one another in this fellowship and that we would love each other the way that you desire for us to do, to serve one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another, to praise with one another. And Lord, my prayer is that the community and the world around us would see you through us. That they would see the full effect of a relationship with God and that they, it would cause them to have a great desire for what they're missing. Lord, thank you for a relationship with you. Thank you for forgiving us and for caring for every need that we have. May we keep our eyes focused and fixed upon you. And may we walk with you, seeking your way and not our own. We love you and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.